Hello and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people, whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Nick Sherrard, co-founder of Label Sessions. In this episode, Maxine Mackey of Label Sessions talks to Anna Fote. Anna is a design-led, passionate innovator. Previously of BlackBerry and IBM, she is now leading the charge at Sun Life looking for new ways to change the status quo and bring forward global transformation in business. Maxine talks to her to find out more. Anna, thank you so much for joining me today. Could you just introduce yourself to the Label Sessions audience, please? Sure. My name is Anna Fote. I am an unlikely technologist with an English degree that ended up at an insurance company trying to drive change. You're someone that works in the intersection of transformation and change. Can you tell us a bit around how change really happens at big businesses and and I guess in the insurance world too? Well, I think the the story or the lesson that I learned really early on was a lot of big organizations think change happens by kumbaya. So like everyone comes together and there's muffins at a meeting and a very senior person says things are going to change and then everyone eats the muffin, drinks the coffee and goes back to their desk and radically behaves differently. And what I found is as much as everyone would like to believe that that's how change happens, It more often happens with someone like myself who lacks the gene for self-preservation and gets super passionate about something and is is willing to kind of throw themselves off a ledge without a parachute. And a lot of people will watch that person and go, hmm, that's dangerous. I don't love what they're doing, but it's interesting. It's interesting what they're doing, but it scares the heck out of me. Um, And then they watch. And if that person doesn't kind of crash and burn and die in the valley, if the parachute opens and like, wind comes up and you kind of have a bit of flight, people say, huh, they didn't die. That's interesting. Well, now maybe I want to be part of it now that it's de-risked enough that the person lived to tell the tale. And so I think this idea of trying to let people, let let the people that are, that that 10% of people that are bleeding edge, that are always going to push the envelope, giving them a little time and space to do that, and then making it safe for other people at their own time like not forcing them to do some of these things, but to actually, when they feel ready to engage is the way that kind of change happens slowly and then really fast. And I think the reason organizations see that is because the person trying to affect change has probably been beating their head against a cement wall for quite some time. And then all of a sudden the stars align, there's kismet and the wind comes into your parachute and lifts you up. But, and then it it happens quickly because everyone says, "I've, I've been interested about that crazy idea for quite some time. And now that I see that it's not so crazy, I'm absolutely willing to get in the boat and start to row. Amazing. And I wanted to spend a moment talking about what are the types of things that are can be instruments of change, like the wind under the parachute and really um, creates momentum. Because I know we've talked privately about the power of insight to essentially bust myths in senior, manage- senior management's minds in order to think about a problem differently. Can you talk me through some of those things that turn people's heads in an organization as change is happening and and what actually gives them the confidence to kind of jump off the ledge as well and kind of embrace either a new way of working or a new way of kind of a, um, a new product? I think something that's so, so useful is an executive that allows a, a group of people, however that group of people is chosen and whatever makes sense organizationally, to have a little bit of time and space to do some of that work. Um, 
I think of the times in my career where we did kind of the biggest change. And a lot of it was because we didn't have like, let's call it organizational buy-in, but we probably had one person that said, listen, you have 90 days, right? <laughs> you have 90 days. I like what you're doing. And they, and they would like it for either a revenue opportunity, or sometimes I found um, executives who are early in their career and have a lot to prove or are very much at the end of their career and don't take the, I want to preserve my legacy and I'm going to kind of steer the ship gently into the moonlight. People that say, I want to just swing for the fences one last time before I retire. They're amazing people. When I worked at IBM driving mobile change, those were the sorts of executives that said, I am willing because either I feel like I have less to lose by doing something radical than I do with maintaining the status quo because I'm either young or not from this industry or for whatever reason, people are kind of looking at me saying, prove yourself or people very much at the other end of the spectrum that say, perhaps my entire career, I felt very um, constrained and now I have three years and I'm going to just do this absolutely amazing thing in order that um, I feel like my legacy was for this innovative thing now that I'm at the end of my career. And how does it feel to work in that environment where you have this 90-day burning platform? I think for people that have had that that chance, and I think the older I get, the, the more I realize how lucky I was to get those chances. But it's terrifying because there's no like PowerPoint to hide behind. There's no like monthly metric thing that you can kind of game and say that it was fine. It's full on. You're in the spotlight. Um, is this going to go or is this not going to go? And if it doesn't go, you know, you you kind of own it. And so it requires someone that's willing to fail and fail fairly publicly. Um, and it also requires an executive to give you that chance. But whether you win or lose, the lesson in doing that work is immeasurable for the organization and for the people that are, are allowed to do it. And so a lot of what I'm doing now is saying to people at very early stage of that journey, it not only is it going to pay dividends, so it, it is going to be a good use of your time, um, you're going to learn a whole heck of a lot that you're not going to learn any other way. The school of hard knocks is the best way to earn a PhD because you don't forget those lessons. And if you were having a conversation with somebody that has a mandate for change or to test or pilot a new product, what advice would you give them to keep their head up and navigate those kind of a potential failures and kind of a, the, the, I guess, the natural stresses that happen in within a team and then within a wider organization? I think knowing that it's going to take multiple goes to be successful and the best advice is use unconventional means. So if the way in which things work at your company is you go to this tribunal and they bless the project and then you get money and you do the thing and you didn't get it going that way, like that, I call that the front door. So you knocked on the front door. The front door did not answer. But like there's a window, there's a back door, there's maybe a cellar door. Like there's other ways to get climbed through the window. I've climbed through windows. Like it, and to try to, and different stakeholders. So the stakeholder that you think you need, I mean, maybe you can't get the first go around, but there may be other stakeholders who will be super supportive and it might take five steps. So you might think it's a one-step job. It might be a five-step job. And then that's how much do you want to push the idea, right? Is it is the juice worth the squeeze? Let me ask you, how important do you think telling the story 
during a change project is or waiting till you've had a win and you can share that win with people. Do you have a point of view on those two different approaches? Uh, my personal belief is the more you can talk about what you're doing as you're doing it in a way that's engaging to people, the more useful that that energy will be. So I'll give you an anecdote. Many years ago, we were trying to do work with IBM when I worked at BlackBerry. And fundamentally, we thought the bias of IBM was they, they weren't totally bought into mobility as a concept. This was maybe 2005. So it was more of a nice to have for them. And it was an absolute core business for us. And, you know, as we were explaining what we wanted to do with them, I just looked around and thought, I don't actually think we have fundamental agreement on the value of the affordance of this technology. And if we don't have that, it doesn't matter what we say up here on this stage as tap dancing. So it was a very risky thing to do, but I think it paid off in dividends later where I kind of said, I'm just going to stop. Do we believe that collaboration in the future is going to exist beyond the blue ethernet cable? And there's this long pause and they all looked at each other and they went, maybe. And it was like in that moment, it's like, okay, so there's not quorum on this. Like we could, it won't matter what our use case is. We need to fix the fundamental problem, which is showing them the affordance of this technology, which they quickly got, like it was a time thing too. We were a little early. They were a little late. We didn't really explain it. We jumped right to kind of, we want to do this thing on this platform with your IP. Um, it was too much too fast for them. But over time we met in the middle. And once you get quorum on like what the actual fundamental thing you're trying to do is people jump to the use case and they forget unless you have violent agreement on like this matters and we should work on this no one's going to put in the time and effort to get to like the thing that you want to actually do i think that's such an interesting anecdote for and really applicable for any kind of innovation and first behind product development practice because Normally, when you're having conversations with, say, or trying to get buy-in through the front door, potentially you're at the cellar door at this stage, you're so, as a team, you're so embedded in the topic, you're a few steps ahead of anybody else. And I think the I think that's a really great piece of advice to find that way to either meet in the middle or this agreement of, not really meet in the middle, but the agreement of, there's a, pl there's a reason why we're doing this. There's a it could be a burning platform but there is a need and we're in agreement that there's a need this could be an answer are we going to proceed rather than you know talk to them about the use cases it's really i think it's interesting to bring that conversation back this podcast is brought to you by label sessions the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people around the world we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders just like the people you hear on this podcast for live sessions of advice mentorship, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. Let me ask you a bit around um, change and when change is embedded, because I think that I've noticed a lot in change and transformation agendas that there's a real, um, in the language that's used, there's a, a, there's a real push to have the whole business together. And what I mean by that is the whole organization with you at every step of the way and huge kind of a company-wide initiatives. And what you said earlier, I thought was really powerful around actually change happens really slowly and then happens really fast. 
Um, is there at, it could it be more powerful actually with people leading change agendas to find their almost front line and then use them to deliver the first wave of change and then address the wider business? Like what advice would you give to leaders trying to change a culture of an organization? Yeah, I, I read this analogy the other day about um, different people in different parts of the organization. And I, I think you don't want the whole organization full of people like me. It would be chaos every single day. So there's people like me in an organization and they're useful in some respects. I had a boss that said to me, Lord, you just don't want to water the flowers, do you? I said, no, I want to design the flower. I want to find the flower. I want to figure out the pot for the flower. And once the flower's in the pot, like, don't trust me ever to remember to water the damn thing. Someone else will take great pride in making sure that thing is watered on schedule. That person is not me. And I think in organizations, that is also true. There are absolutely people who want to run consistent operations and big organizations need people like that. And we shouldn't punish people that have that orientation because we need them. Um, we should let them do the things that they're good at and that they want to do. Um, I, I'll tell you a story. When we were doing some of the work at BlackBerry, we had to build a new value proposition for this thing that we ultimately got IBM to agree to. So you can imagine IBM marketing guidance at that time, BlackBerry marketing guidance, massive rule books about what we could and could not do. And so I approached this guy to say, you know, I'm not a marketer per se. Like I did this thing. We have this legal agreement. We're going to go to market. Like, could you work with me? And could we figure out what we should say honoring both of these value propositions? And he just flat out was like, no. And I said, sorry, what? <laughs> and he just went, no, that's not my job. And I said, oh, okay, you're in marketing. This is like a marketing thing we're trying to do. And he very like abruptly said, it's not in the guidance though, Anna. And I said, well, I know it's not in the guidance because we just made the thing. So it couldn't have been in the guidance. We made the guidance last year. So we didn't know we were going to make this thing. We made the guidance. And he said, I know, but it's not in the guidance. So I no, basically no. Um, and flash forward, like I ended up doing some of it badly because I'm not a marketer. This gentleman's boss called me and said, why are you doing my team's job? I kind of gently explained I didn't want to. And I definitely thought there was someone better than me to do it. And then he quickly realized the resistance of some of his team. And I said, listen, I, it's not for me to kind of call out this guy who did not feel comfortable because I really quickly realized I, I could have pushed or been difficult, but he, you can't make people be creative. You can't make people do good work. So I'm like, he doesn't want to do this. He's scared of this work. So it's not going to be good. Um, and when he came back around, when the product was successful, wind in the parachute, the same guy called me to say, you know, this is now very successful and I'm really interested in it. I always have been interested in it and I would love to work with you. And so at first I thought, my God, like you, you were so difficult to me. But then the older I get, the more I realized he just wasn't ready to get on the bus yet. It was too early of a bus stop for him. And he wasn't that he didn't like the idea or thought it was stupid. It was just too scary for him at the time I asked him. I was a little early. And I guess that what what I, I have a sense that you operate with a lot of grace to people to say, that's fine. You that well, that wasn't the stop for you. Jump on the bus when you're ready. Um, which I think is a really important thing for people leading change to acknowledge that not every your message isn't gonna land with everyone at every time. But actually you're better to have that front line of people 
and then it really builds confidence in what's happening. But let me ask you something, because I think that people leading change and transformation at big organizations are facing um, sometimes often tension in the business when people aren't ready to, to get on the, the bus when you perhaps want them to. How do you kind of stay motivated and cultivate your well-being in that kind of a wider wider environment? Well, I think finding your people, right? There's, there's a group of experienced design um, practitioners inside the company and we, it's good. Like you need a good vetting session of like, oh my gosh, like why is this so difficult? Um, so I think that's really useful. And I think, again, to your point about grace, like I just say this a lot to practitioners to say, you need to treat the people that you're trying to affect change with, with as much empathy as you often have for users. You know, we, we did a session and we had quite a few actuaries and underwriters in it. And one of the, the underwriters kind of said like, I, I'm really interested in all this and what you're doing, but it's really like, it's so different for me. Um, and just acknowledging that, like, yeah, in fact, it, that must be extremely challenging. So for someone to be willing to go along for the ride, like that's huge. And so just don't kind of react to, oh, this is so different and weird. It's like, yeah, for you, it is like, and I totally get that. And I'm so appreciative that you kind of put down your reservations and came along for the ride because this same, the same person basically said, like, I think this is actually useful. I'm just trying to get my head around it, which is a really honest and fair answer. So the only way you can respond is with empathy to say, like, thank you. And at the end, what you really highlight is the importance of the people element in respect. And I think you, that was a great point around the empathy. You need as much empathy for the, for the people who are, I guess, on the precipice of change as you are for the users um, of potentially an end product. I think that's a really, I think that's something that people often forget. It's like, this is a diktat. It doesn't really work. But remember to kind of stay human and talk to people who are kind of a, maybe struggling with doing things differently. Well, and there's lots of reasons for that, right? Like they don't understand the change. They think the change will negatively affect them. They're confused. And there's lots of confusing messages in big organizations about change. So we shouldn't be surprised that people get confused. Um, and change, general change is hard. Like in your own life, if there's ways that you live and things you eat and places you go, like people kind of like routine. The pandemic proved this to all of us. All of a sudden it's like everything you know you can't do anymore. And people freaked out. It's like, can't do that. And what do you do when change doesn't go as planned? I think the first step I always take is to think about the, the human reasons why that didn't work. And not that like that person is difficult and just won't do the thing. But like, if that person's being difficult, why are they being difficult? And it, you know, I always say to my team, if there's something is confusing to you, there's like a piece of information you don't know. So if you can't kind of make sense of a strategy or a position or a tactic or whatever, it, it probably means that there's a, something that you're just not aware of that is informing why they're doing it. People are not doing this for no reason. You may disagree with the reason, but if you're baffled, it's probably because you're missing information. So don't make it a personal thing when it's an informational thing. Like figure out why and then have a conversation about is this true or not? Is it useful or not? Like, do I agree with it or not? But that's secondary to understanding the actual rationale. So let me ask you, Anna, what tips would you give to other transformation leaders? Push harder than you think you can. I mean, the worst, the worst thing that will happen is you'll get 
you know, that was too much, in which case you can kind of dial it back. But I think inertia is a much bigger danger than kind of too much change. The organizations re recoil at too much change. But I think the thing that can crater them is is inertia more than than change. But figure out how to meet people where they are. So I feel like if you're this innovator, design thinker, experienced design, you live in this space, then it kind of behooves you also to think about the person that you're trying to affect change with. And then because you have the idea that you're trying to get to, but also like the path that you have to walk to get there. So equal parts on those two trails to say, like, why would this person do it? How, like, why is this going to be good for them and their boss? What kind of roadblocks are there? How can I mitigate some of them? As much as the value proposition, the users are saying, like, to dual track it a little bit. Tell me, what is it about your industry that you love the most? I guess change, transformation, and now um, the insurance world that you inhabit. I joined because I thought, my gosh, there's so much work to do. Like, I love a hairball. So this is a big hairball because the industry itself has delegated, for the most part, client experience to advisors. So we've just, by function of our distribution, not been close. And so that's changing. The whole industry is changing. Sun Life's doing lots of amazing things to try to change. So we're headed in the right direction, but it's, it is, to get it right for people, you're getting it right for people at the moment that they need some kind of trustworthy thing the very most. So keeping people healthy, you know, a loved person dies and it's a horrible time in your life. Like, I can't think of a better thing to try to get right from a client experience perspective. If you were going to have an autobiography or a biopic, what would the title of your biography be? Oh my gosh. She was ungovernable. <laughs> and I just popped into my head, I think. Oh, do I love just that? I love that. Just just went on a hike and like my girlfriend that was up with me was like, sorry, this is insane what we're doing. It wasn't insane. It was so fun. It was an astro hike. So we hiked three kilometers up to a mountain with an astrophysicist who did an interpretation of all the stars in the sky at midnight and then with headlamps and then hiked back down. And it was epic. I would do it again tomorrow, but it was a little like, I just signed up and I was like, this should be fun. We learned, I learned about the origin story of the Big Dipper. It was magic. A little crazy. Oh, amazing. bears. <laughs> oh, well, you know, living on the edge. Last question. On a scale of one to 10, Anna, how weird are you? Oh, like nine and a half. I'm pretty weird. <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, Anna, thank you so much. It was amazing to talk to you about make, how, you know, people make change happen, um, especially when it, I think it's just so exciting because your stories are so rich in the human element and actually... Um, I just get a sense that working with you is such a pleasure and um, you do it in such a human way. Well, that's so very kind. I do try. I think, you know, no one ever said that it was, we didn't have enough humanity and there's always room for a bit more, especially these days. So try to be kind and, and make change. Like the, the whole thing is if you really want to make change, you can't do it alone. So for everyone that, you know, I spend time talking to executives about, it's not a solitary genius saying, aha. It's really teams of people. So if you can't foster that in the organization and if people in those teams can't kind of radiate, radiate that to other people in those groups, I mean, you'll never be successful. So it's, it's also self-serving. Like if you want to actually do the thing, you kind of have to do this too. 
So concludes Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast, no matter your platform. And of course, start your journey with us today at labelsessions.com.